Welcome, everybody. Welcome to uh, the... Oh, cool. <laughs> hey, no, it's great. Uh, good. I'm glad you guys are on. Thank you for joining us. Um, thank you guys for joining us here presently, too. I really appreciate it. It's so good to see you guys and gals. Uh, take some time out of your week because this is, in fact, uh, the best 60-minute study break of your week. Um, if you didn't believe that after Kahoot, then stick around. We'll play Hacky Sack later because uh, that's a good time. But ultimately, uh, you what? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and speaking of which, I'm going to try to keep this quick. Um, but this is the, the best 60-minute study break of your week. Uh, and we do fun things. We do games and stuff. But ultimately, it gives us a chance to encounter Jesus and connect with people. As you saw in the Kahoot that we had earlier, uh, you also encounter people and connect with Jesus. But technically the motto is you encounter Jesus and connect with people. Um, so thank you guys for joining us. Um, I, I gotta say, um, I, I thoroughly enjoy having, uh, Jeremiah and Bree here. Uh, I think we are all very blessed to have them here. Uh, they have poured so much of their lives into this university. And so if given the opportunity, which Bree's here, um, but, but please, like, throughout the day, whenever you see her or Jeremiah, just please say thank you, because um, they, they do so much, and they love you guys so much, and it's, it's truly incredible, and it's an amazing thing, uh, and I just, I'm very thankful for, for them, and I'm thankful for this opportunity uh, to be here in the midst of Jeremiah's absence. I, I know that he is a little is struggling right now, a little bit, with some sickness, uh, but I know that he will be better here soon. I have full hope and faith. Um, <clears throat> in the meantime, you're stuck with me. Uh, uh, thank you, guys. Um, that was meant to be a joke, but you applauded, so thank you. Um, I, I appreciate it. But uh, whenever I was thinking about uh, putting together an outline, and Jeremiah had reached out to me a couple of weeks ago about putting together an outline in the event that he got COVID or had some sort of illness or just couldn't make it, and just an outline of a message, a uh, quick message for you guys tonight. So uh, something that's been kind of on my heart is something that he said um, a couple of weeks ago while, while we've been in this study of First Peter. Uh, and the, the quote that he says is, humility is inevitable. And that stuck with me. That still sticks with me uh, because I want to make sure that I approach the almighty God of the universe with humility. Um, he brought me into this world and he could take me out of it if he wanted to, but, but, uh, he has shown tremendous mercy and grace, uh, to myself and to each of us. The very reason that we are here and have breath in our lungs and wake up in the morning is, is partially God, of course, God's grace, but also because he's, he's chosen to keep you here for a reason. He's chosen to keep you around for a reason. And so, Let's, let's figure that out together. But uh, anyways, <clears throat> as I said, it is our desire that you will encounter Jesus and connect with people. Uh, so the, the title uh, of, of this little sermon uh, message is In Humility I Bow. And that's from a song lyric uh, that I like. Um, 
I won't play the song uh, for sake of time. But uh, it's In Humility I Bow. Uh, and uh, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and then we'll dive into see what Scripture actually says, what God says in his word. Uh, and then we'll, we'll ask a few more questions, and that'll be our evening. So um, there is the signpost for you. Uh, have you ever heard a Bible story and thought, no way? Right? You're reading something, and you're like, no, that's not real. There's no way. Because, to be honest, like, there have been times in my life where I've, you know, read, read things, I'm like, nah, there's no way. <laughs> Which is not great. Not great. Because, again, you know, God of the universe thing, he can do what he wants. Um, <clears throat> but it's a fair question. Have you ever, and this is a tough one. This is a really tough one for a lot of people. Have you ever read something in the Bible that God did or that God permitted or that God ordained all the, the list of words and thought to yourself, doesn't that seem a little harsh or unfair? One example that, I, that comes to mind, and this, I heard a, a pastor talk about this named uh, David Platt, and an example that he brought up was this idea of, of Lot's wife in Genesis they, Lot and his family, they were uh, related to Abraham, <clears throat> and they were fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah, where, where there was, that was where they settled. They were fleeing it because God was bringing down judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, and, they, and God told them not to look back. And Lot, Lot's wife, while they were a little, little far off, Lot's wife looked back, a glance, and became a pillar of salt, gone. And you think to yourself, that seems a little harsh, doesn't it? A fair question. But I hope for each of us to get a better idea of why that was, why that was the way that God carried it out. So, oh, I might have skipped one. Nope, we're fine. The, the real question is, uh, to whom will I submit? <clears throat> to whom will I ultimately submit to? To God or to myself? And along with this, we have to understand what sin really is. That's kind of a Christian, you know, it's a, it, I like to call it Christianese. I'm not the first one to call it that. But like it's a word that like we hear in church and we hear in, in, in Christian circles uh, but for, the, for somebody who may not know much about the Christian faith or somebody who may not know much, <clears throat> even if they are a Christian, they may not know much about Christianity in general, uh, there's this idea of sin, which is ultimately uh, this rebellion against God. This, this idea of looking at God and saying, you know what, what you say, I don't agree with. And so I'm not going to do what you say. Let's dive into some scripture here. Um, this is in Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 40. This is uh, Peter speaking. So after Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit came down upon all, all these, these believers gathered in the upper room, and then they started speaking out in, in the languages of these people uh, who were here in, in, in Jerusalem. Not here, but like in Jerusalem uh, at that time for, for a Jewish celebration. Uh, people from all over the, the Mediterranean were there, and they, they kept hearing these other Galileans, uh, which are people uh, who were from around the area where Jesus did a lot of ministering, like preaching at. 
Uh, and they were all speaking in these different languages, and, and the people were like, these guys are drunk. Like, these, are, these guys are out of it. Uh, and Peter's like, no, 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 that is not the case. Uh, and this is kind of skipped down um, in, his, in his sermon in response to the, the people who are questioning what's going on. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they were pierced to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises is for you, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. While many other words, with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So, so, so Peter is saying another Christianese kind of word that, that we hear in Christian circles and in church, uh, this idea of repent. And you, maybe you've had the delightful experience of, of hearing an uh, older, older preacher or, or maybe even a younger preacher, I don't know, but at a different type of church. Uh, uh, there's different, anyways, I won't go into that. But uh, they, might, they might, you know, look at you and be like, repent! You know, they might be like, like that. And, and, me, and me and Caleb uh, had a joke, and, and Bobby had a little bit of a joke, where we decided that one day out of the year, uh, the school year, we would walk around uh, and just, that's all we could say. Like, we would just, like, have a bet. Like, can you get through the whole day just saying nothing but repent to people? But we never did it because it was a bad idea. Um, it was a bad idea because whenever people hear that word repent, they think, that is very religious and intolerant of you to tell me to repent, even though they may not know what that word means. Which is, yes. Um, if you do that, don't tell them you <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Correct, correct. Um, but repent, it is, it is a fair word, and it is, it is a good word, even though sometimes, sometimes uh, people may not understand it. But really, all it, all it means, and I'm sure Jeremiah has already said this before, I'm pretty sure he says, uh, all it means is to turn from that which you were doing back to God. Because sin, like I said, sin is that idea of, God, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't agree, I think you're cool, but like, I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, and repentance is the reverse of that. Where you say, all right, my own thing doesn't work. My own thing leaves me depressed. My own thing leaves me in shambles because I've chosen something that is destructive. And so repentance is simply, God, you are the one who made me. And so I'm going to choose in humility to bow before you and submit to you because you ultimately know what's better. You ultimately know what's best. It's important also to see God's consistency and, and coming back to that question of, well, does, does it seem unfair of God to do certain things? Uh, here's another scripture from the Old Testament. This is uh, in Ezekiel. And God's confronting the people of Israel who are in exile and the people of Israel who are, who are in Jerusalem still. And this is a lot of history stuff. But basically the point, I'm, uh, the point I want to get across is that uh, these people were, these were the chosen people. God's chosen people who were, who were having these, these, these arguments essentially with God, their maker. God says to them through Ezekiel, but you say the Lord's way isn't fair. Now listen, house of Israel, is it my way that is unfair? Instead, isn't it your ways that are unfair? When a righteous person turns from his righteousness 
and acts unjustly, he will die for this. He will die because of the injustice he has committed. Now, let me pause right there real quick. Whenever he says he will die for this, it's not necessarily meaning specifically in that moment that boom, God's going to smite him. That's not what it means. So like if you've sinned, like if there's something that you've, you've been walking justly and then you do something, you make that mistake, you say you, you commit that sin, you turn from God, God's not necessarily going to just boom, lightning bolt, you're gone. That's not, that's not how that works. He could do that if he wanted to, and he would be justified in doing that. But he also has mercy, so, so hear me out. Um, when a righteous person turns from his righteousness and acts unjustly, he will die for this. He will die because of the injustice he has committed. But if a wicked person turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he will preserve his life. He will, oh, sorry. He will certainly live because he thought it over and turned from all the transgressions he had committed. He will not die. But the house of Israel says, the Lord's way isn't fair. Is it my ways that are unfair, house of Israel? Instead, isn't it your ways that are unfair? Here, God repeats himself because he wants to convey a point. You'll find that a lot in scripture. God will be like, all right, I'm going to say it one time and I'm going to say it another time and then another time and then another time. And uh, he does it a lot because he knows that sometimes we need a couple of times being told. Um, Therefore, house of Israel, I will judge each one of you according to his ways. This is, dec- this is a declaration from the Lord God. Oh, there's that fun word again. Repent. That's right. Written several hundred years before Peter had said repent and before Jesus had said repent. Because fun fact, Jesus also said it in Mark 1.15. He says, repent. Oh, well, first, let me form He says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And the good news ultimately is that Jesus would take the sin of the world. Now, I'll explain that more later. But repent and turn from all your rebellious acts so they will not become a sinful stumbling block to you. Have you ever noticed whenever whenever there's maybe a sin in your life and you, you do it and then... It becomes easier to do it next time because you keep tripping over it. You keep doing it. That's what he's saying. That's how it is with sin. Throw off all the transgressions you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. It's funny he, he says that. Uh, and I'm sure the people of Israel are like, well, how do I do that? Which is another good question. Why should you die, house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in anyone's death. This is the declaration of the Lord God. So repent and live. I want to focus really real, real quick. For I take no pleasure in anyone's death. He would prefer to save every single person on this planet. That is his preference because he loves every single person that he has made. So his preference would be that we would come before him and in humility say, you know what? I screwed up. I sinned against you, God. I recognize that. I admit it. I confess it. I'm repenting of it, turning from it to you. That's, that's what he wants. He doesn't want to, you know, whenever he has all, all, his, all his people, all his sheep gathered together, he doesn't want to be the one to bring judgment on the people that have rejected him. That's not his, that's not his ideal. 
but he is just, which means, so let me, let me illustrate this for you. If I sin against a rock, am, am I very guilty? Am I guilty of, of sinning against a rock? I mean, like, let's say that podium. Am I, am I guilty? Am I very guilty for that? Okay, great, great. Thank you. Yes, I, I'm very sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I repent. Um, now, if I sin against somebody else, if I sin against a, sin against a person, I'm guilty, right? If I sin against an infinitely holy God, that means I am infinitely guilty. And so we can't, you know, we, it puts us in a predicament because, well, how, how, do I, how do I make amends, right? If I repent, if I want to do this repenting stuff, why does God tell me to repent if I cannot make up? for the infinitely like condemning sin that I've done to an infinitely holy God. Well, fortunately, our God thinks about that ahead of time. <laughs> a couple of questions before we dig in a little bit more about that, about this idea of repentance and, and um, how, do we, how do we reconcile with it. Is God consistent? In his word, I believe we demonstrated that tonight. Acts 2, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 18, saying the same thing. And you'll find that everywhere else in Scripture. Are we? I'm not consistent all that much. I'd like to be. I'd like to be better. But not always. I'm not always better. Fortunately, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the context of that is great, too. I won't really go into it for sake of time, but... Hebrews 13, 8, we know God is consistent because we see it, we see it in his word from Old Testament to New, and we also, we see it like literally written out. Next question, is God all-powerful? I think so, but, but are we? I don't know about y'all, but I have, I have never once created a star on my own accord. I never once like breathed it out into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know about y'all, but like I said, I've never done that. And I, I, would, I would likely bet that nobody else in this room has either. If you have, great, please tell us. But like, don't think it's happened. <clears throat> and then finally, and, and, and really and most importantly for this conversation... Is God just righteous and holy? Because if you think, if you, if you think, if you believe that God is not just in what he does, then that's a problem. Because now you have to reconcile with the, with the God who created the universe and set everything to order. You have to reconcile that with him. You have to, you have to bring before him that which you think is unjust. And then he'll tell you. He'll tell you. He'll tell you what it means. He'll tell you what it does. And why he does what he does. And then another great question, are we? <laughs> Not on my own accord. God reveals himself in a very cool way too. <clears throat> this is in Exodus chapter 34. Moses Asks God to see, asks to see God's glory, and, and and God reveals Himself to Moses and to the people uh, of Israel. 
And he says this, In Exodus, the Lord came down in a cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name, Yahweh. That means, roughly, he is, or I am, like he will be. So God is saying that his name is holy, first and foremost, and secondly, he is eternal. He is outside of time, outside of his existence. And I don't know about y'all, but I am not outside of time. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. But like, not me right now. The Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh. Again, repetition. Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth. Maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin, but he will leave, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's wrongdoing on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. And so, this is a fun part too, because people people then ask the question: Well, is why would God bring the the consequences on the kids? They didn't do anything wrong. And then God addresses that in Ezekiel 18, where he says that that's not how I work. You misunderstood. How I work is if a righteous person turns from righteousness, they will die for their sin. Not necessarily physically, but like spirit, like they are dead spiritually because they have chosen to walk away from the giver of the author of life and the giver of life. Yet people find life when they return to the author and giver, which is why the wicked person will live. The wicked person who turns from their wickedness and turns to God will live. And so what, what really is going on here is sin also has this, this uh, ability to cause problems amongst people for a long time. We see this in, in things like alcoholism, how kids with parents who are prone to addiction or alcohol, like whatever that may be, those kids are going to be more prone to it because they're surrounded by it. And so we see the consequences of that being carried on down the line. But even, even the kid in the seventh generation of, of the, whatever it may be, whatever addiction that family might have, whatever sin problem that family might have, even that seventh generation kid can turn back can say, this does not have to define me. I can let the God of the universe define who I am. Tying back into what uh, Jeremiah has said the past couple of weeks, be careful to avoid conforming scripture, conforming what God says to what you believe is good and true. And what, by that I mean, uh, forgive me if it's not put together well enough. Uh, <laughs> I... I uh, sometimes struggle with conveying. But by that I mean reading scripture and then making your own, making your own estimation, making your own uh, evaluation of it without taking into account other parts of scripture where God speaks clearly. <clears throat> and be careful to avoid conforming God to what you believe is good and true. So the question remains, to whom will you bow? Yourself? Your family? Your peers? Your culture? Will they be the, the ones who ultimately receive your allegiance? 
or the God of the universe? Who has demonstrated his power? Who has demonstrated his holiness? Who has demonstrated his love? I want to leave you with this. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men, and whom he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. <clears throat> so, so what we're seeing here is Jesus, who is God in the flesh, the Son of God, God in the flesh, who came, who made that way, right? We, we talked about the, you know, if you repent, how, what's God, what, what's, how's the gap going to be filled? That is Jesus. So when you repent in faith to the God of the universe, the, the substitution that takes place for, for covering your sin was already done through his son, Jesus. And Jeremiah has already mentioned it before, but it's important to remember that anybody who confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in in their heart that God raised him from the dead will be saved. Jesus himself said, repent and believe the good news. And all this points to is humility, which is inevitable. So are we going to choose to go our own way? And we will make this mistake from time to time. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying that, that you know, whenever you become a Christian, that you're just going to be all dandy. Like you're going to be all great all the time. You're walking around like, I'm so holy. Look at me. Look at me go. People don't generally like that. There's going to be times where we mess up, where we say, I'm all right, God. I struggle with that. Even sometimes when I'm reading scripture, which is partially why this is the message for the week. <laughs> but will, will we come before God? Will we choose to, to, to come before him and say, you know what, God, I, I admit that I cannot do this life on my own. I cannot be the God of my own universe and I cannot have anything else do that because ultimately you are the one who made me. You are the one who formed me. You knew me before anybody knew me. And you know ultimately what is right. You know what is good. You've demonstrated it. And thank you, Jesus, that you made a way for us to be in fellowship with you forever. Because apart from Jesus, there is no fellowship with God. We can repent all we want, but if there's no, I mean, if we don't put our faith ultimately in Jesus, then it will basically us just been saying sorry. So let me pray with you guys. Um, I know, I forget, forgive me. I know my thoughts sometimes were a little bit jumbled. Uh, I had an outline and, and the outline is good, but uh, sometimes I... Uh, 
sometimes I'm not able to can put it all together. I'm still learning how to put it all together, but 